Well, it's, uh, it's uh, great to be here. It's an honor and a privilege. Hello. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I need to say, um, having done the youth work and the young adults work at Spring Harvest in previous years, I came here expecting some, some real meaty stuff. And, and I don't know, so far, it's been a little bit wishy-washy, <laughs> if I'm honest. And, and I just feel that I, I really want us to get us uh, really into, we're going to do some intensive Bible study tonight. We're not going to mess around. We're going we're gonna to go through a couple of passages of Scripture, and we're going to do it properly. We're going to go through it line by line, verse by verse. We are at times going to go into the original Greek. <laughs> Indeed, some say I am the original Greek. <laughs> and we will consider this my audition for the Bible readings next year. Get your Bibles out. <laughs> we are in Luke chapter 5, commencing at the first verse. Have you got them out? <coughs> One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, I just want to pause there a moment. <laughs> By the lake of Gennesaret. In my, in my Bible, the NIV, by lake of Gennesaret, there is a little sea. The letter C, I mean. <laughs> At the bottom of the page, there's another little C. And by that little C, it says in small letters, that is the Sea of Galilee. So already, in our study... We have discovered that the Lake of Gennesaret is actually the Sea of Galilee. Question. If the Lake of Gennesaret is actually the Sea of Galilee, why didn't they call it the Sea of Galilee in the first place? I have no idea. <laughs> but anyway, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which we now know is the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, this is Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read scriptures like that, you just read it through and you don't kind of work out what might have been going on. There were these fishermen. 
<coughs> they just finished fishing and they were washing their nets. They'd finished for the night. They were cleaning their nets and they were going to fold them and they were going to put them away. And there's Jesus walking along and he sees the empty fishing boats. He gets in. It would be the same as me walking around this site and walking along the car park. And after a while, my little legs getting quite tired because they have a lot to carry. And thinking, my legs are tired. And seeing a Mercedes parked in the car park. And then I would think, oh, I'll just have a little rest. So I, I do something with the, the, the back door, a little trick a friend taught me. And I get in <laughs> and I sit down. As I'm sitting there, the owner of the Merc comes along. What does he say? Good day, good sir, he says. What are you doing in my Merc? I say, I was just having a little rest. My legs were tired. You don't mind, do you? Be my guest, he says. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Even at spring harvest, he kicks my head in. You see, a similar thing was happening here. There's Jesus. He gets into their boat. They come back. Who's that? And he says, oh, I'm glad you're back. Could you pull out a little from shore? Uh, I'm going to do some teaching. I think they were probably so shocked. They didn't know what to do. They just did what they were told. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, I just want us to read that passage again with a little bit of background information. Simon Peter and his friends were fishermen. The place where they did their job was the Lake of Gennesaret, otherwise known as the Sea of Galilee. That's where they did their work. Jesus, on the other hand, was trained in carpentry. He did things with wood, not with fish. Knowing that, let's read this passage again. <coughs> when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we, professional fishermen, all night we haven't caught anything. But because you, a carpenter, say so, of course I'll let down the nets. I think Simon Peter was being sarcastic with Jesus. Now, most serious theologians don't yet agree with me, but that's... What's your problem? But that's the price of being ahead. <coughs> when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. What was going on there? Do you know I love this about Jesus? Have you noticed that when he speaks to us, he always speaks our language? He always speaks in a way that we can understand. A few years ago, there was an American president. They gave him the title, the great communicator, Ronald Reagan. 
What nonsense. Jesus is the great communicator. He's brilliant at communicating. And he knew that the language that Simon Peter would understand was to do with fish. So Jesus didn't do a miracle with sheep. He did a miracle with fish because he was wanting to speak to Simon Peter. And that's what Jesus does with each one of us. When he speaks to us, he uses a language that we can understand so that he can speak deep into our hearts. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon Peter's partners. Do you know, when up till that point, Simon Peter, I think he knew that's the carpenter's son. That's, that's the son of Mary. I, I, I know him, but it hadn't dawned on him who he actually was. He knew about him. He didn't know him. And then came the revelation. And every revelation is a miracle. Every time God reveals himself, it's like... Now, now some, some miracles are spectacular, like loads of fish when there weren't any. Some miracles seem more ordinary, but they're no less miracles. And Simon Peter reacted in the way everybody responds when they realize, oh my goodness, it's him. Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. You see that again and again and again in Scripture. When revelation comes, and therefore conviction comes, the first thing is, oh, woe is me, I am undone. And out of this, Jesus commissions him. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And you know, for the next three and a half years, Simon Peter had a party. I mean, it was the time of his life. He pulled the boat up on shore parked it there, and for the next three years, he had a ringside seat at every miracle. He was there for, for the feeding of the 5,000. He, he played a little role in the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember? Roll the stone away, take the grave clothes off. What are you doing? Are you taking my photo? Sorry, could you come here a second, please? No, with, with the... Bring that. Excuse me, could you just... Just make a little space for him. Thank you. Just, just. Oh, come on. So for the next three and a half years, Simon Peter had a party. He was there. He had a ringside seat at all the great miracles. He was there for the Sermon on the Mount. He was there for the, for the confrontations with the Pharisees. He was there for all of that. And then suddenly, it all went horribly, horribly wrong. Jesus was arrested. 
And Simon Peter followed from a discreet distance. And he went into the courtyard of the high priest. And as he was warming his hands in the fire, not in the fire, over the fire, (coughs) a servant girl said to Simon Peter, wait a minute, I recognize you, aren't you one of his disciples? And Simon Peter says, no, never met the guy. Then they ask him again, are you sure, are you sure that you're not one of his disciples? Don't know him. The third time, Simon Peter really gets angry. And to show that we're not talking about a little white lie, the third time, it says in the scripture, he calls down curses from heaven on himself. No one's certain exactly what that means, but it could well mean that the third time Simon Peter said something like this, look, I've told you once, I've told you twice, watch my lips. I've never met him, I don't know him, and if I'm lying, may God strike me dead. He called down curses from heaven on himself. No wonder when the cock crowed, he was full of remorse. What have I done? I have messed it all up horrifically. And you know what? Before Simon Peter could apologize, before Simon Peter could put it right, something even worse happened. Jesus went and died on him. He died on him. What happened to all the hopes? What happened to all the dreams? I thought this was the Messiah. I left the day job. Have I wasted the last three years? He was full of remorse, he was full of guilt, and he was full of disappointment. Let's turn briefly to John chapter 21. Jesus has just risen from the dead, but uh, shh, don't tell the disciples. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Now, I just want to pause there a moment. (laughs) By the Sea of Tiberias. In my Bible, which again is the NIV, thank you. By Sea of Tiberias, there is a little B. Does anyone else have an NIV? Do do you have a little B? An A, you have an A. Do you have an A? Are you sure that's an A? Are you sure that's the NIV? (laughs) Who has a C? No, a little B. It's a B here. B? You have a B. You have a B. You have an A. Does anyone have anything else? (laughs) We are going to, for the sake of this talk, assume it's a little B, all right? (laughs) At the bottom of the page, there's another little B. And by that little b, it says, that is the Sea of Galilee. (laughs) So, the Lake of Gennesaret and the Sea of Tiberias are the same flipping water. It's the same, it's the same Sea of Galilee. Interesting. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, probably because he was small. 
Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I just want to pause there a moment by the two other disciples. Is it just me, or does it seem unfair to you that everyone else gets a mention except the two other disciples? Have you noticed that? There's Simon Peter, Thomas with his nickname. Nathaniel, we even get his address from Cana in Galilee in case we want to send him a postcard. The sons of Zebedee and the two other ones. Oh, what's their names? I mean, just imagine how it must feel being one of the two other disciples. Now, why did, what's wrong with us? Why didn't we get a mention? Can you imagine them wandering around heaven? We're the two other ones. <laughs> it just seems wrong to me. <coughs> I hope some of you are taking notes. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. Now, can you hear the, the sadness of that. Here they are, three and a half years later, they're back in the same bit of water. Maybe they've even noticed their boats that they left there three and a half years ago, not looking too good. And Simon Peter says, it's all gone wrong. It's all gone wrong. I'm going back to the day job. I'm going fishing. And the others say, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Now what, what does this scripture tell us about Simon Peter? I'll tell you what it tells us about Simon Peter. It tells us that he was a rubbish fisherman. <laughs> Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Twice in the Bible, we are told that Simon Peter goes fishing all night. Twice. He can't catch one flipping fish. Not even a sardine. I mean, that was his job. His job was to be a fisherman. The Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Tiberias, whatever you want to call it, I really don't care anymore. That was the place he did his job and he couldn't catch one fish. I don't know what that makes him in your book, but in mine, it makes him a rubbish fisherman. And I feel very strongly on this point. <laughs> Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Do you know, guys, that this was Jesus, one of Jesus' favourite tricks, especially after the resurrection. He went round in disguise. You know, false beard, dark glasses, everything. 
They, do you know, have you noticed how many times they did not recognize him? They did not realize it was Jesus. You know, there was the time when Mary Magdalene, she runs to the tomb and she's crying. Ah, it's all messy and horrible. And, and she runs in the tomb and the body's gone, the grave clothes are there. And she's like, ah, and she comes out and she starts crying and, and talking to the gardener and the mascara's everywhere. It's like, ah, and she says, tell me, where have you put the body? Where have you put the body? Tell me so I can find it. And then the gardener, he just says to her, Mary. And she's like, ah. And do you know what the next thing he says to her? He says, let go, Mary, let go. Because it wasn't the gardener, it was Jesus. Don't you sometimes wish that the book was, was a DVD? I mean, don't you? I, 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 I'd love to know how he said Mary. Wouldn't you? Did, did he say? Did he say, Mary? Or did he say, Mary? <laughs> Or did he say, Mary? <laughs> I don't know exactly how he said Mary, but however he said it, he said it the same way he always said it, because suddenly she was like, oh my goodness, it's him. Then there was the other time. Do you remember when these, these two disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus? And they were all like, oh no, we're so downcast. Oh, it's terrible. And then Jesus suddenly materializes next to them, like in Star Trek. <laughs> and then he says, hello, good sirs, you look upset. What's the matter? Don't you know, they say, Jesus of Nazareth, who we thought was the Messiah, he's dead. Really? Said Jesus. <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. And then they spend the rest of the journey telling Jesus he's dead. And, and he's trying to show them from all the Old Testament scriptures how he's not dead, but they won't listen. No, he's definitely dead. It's terrible. We're very depressed. And then they get to Emmaus. They get to their house. And then they say, well, you may as well come in and have a cup of tea. And so Jesus goes in and he sits with them and there's some bread on the table and he takes it, he breaks it and suddenly they think, eh? And at that point he disappears through a wall and they're left going, oh. Oh, oh, oh. I knew it was him. My heart burned within me. My heart burned within me as well. Their hearts didn't burn within them. Do you know what I think? I think they were the two other disciples. That's what I think. <laughs> That's why they didn't get their names in the book. Because they were trying to tell Jesus he was dead. Morons. Uh -uh. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus.
he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? I mean, don't you love that? I mean, hold on. <coughs> hold on. Important theological statement coming up now. Listen. Do you think that before Jesus asked them whether they caught any fish, that he knew the answer? <laughs> of course he knew the answer. Do you know how he knew the answer? He just spent three and a half years with Simon Peter. He knew he was a rubbish fisherman. So can you imagine, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Can you, can you just picture it? He's having a laugh. No, really? You've been fishing all night and you haven't caught any fish and you are professional fishermen? Oh dear. Who says the Lord doesn't have a sense of humour? <laughs> then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now again, I, I'm reading slightly into the text here. <laughs> but if Eugene Peterson can do it, why can't I? Can you just, just picture this? There's Jesus. They don't recognize him. They, they don't know it's him. So um, haul your net on the right-hand side and you'll catch some. Can you imagine Peter? Oh, no, not another one. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake, everyone thinks they're a fisherman around here. We've been here all night, no fish. Oh, I just, I can't deal with this. John, I can't deal with it. James, I, I, I've had enough. Guys, guys, let's... Do what he says, put the nets down, bring them up, then this joker will go away, we can go to bed. They haul the nets down. When they brought them up, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Just picture it. Come on, guys, let's, let's bring it up. It was John who worked it out first. <laughs> then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. I mean, don't you, don't you love the way John just calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved? You know, yes, I'm the one he loves, don't you know? Yes. <laughs> Then John said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, 
for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Let's read that again. (laughs) As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he put his coat on and went swimming. I mean, this is the human founder of the church we're talking about here. The other disciples followed in the boat because they didn't want to get wet. towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. So just so that we don't miss anything, when the boat was in the middle of the lake, he put his coat on and swam to the shore. When the boat came to the shore, he got back in the boat. (laughs) Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. I just want to ask you, as I come into land here, I just want to ask you, if you had just met the risen Lord Jesus, you thought he died, you thought it was the end, and suddenly you realise, oh my goodness, it's him, he's alive, he's doing the same miracle he did when I first met him, he's, he's here, it's him, he's not dead, how would you respond? Would you go, ha? Ah. Would you go, here I am to worship? Would you, would you fall face down? Would you shout hallelujah? At a time like that, somebody stopped to count the fish. Uh, One fish, two fish, three fish, 151, 152. 153. Do you know what? I'm sure it was the two other disciples. <laughs> they, they didn't get their names in the book for their own protection. Can you imagine if we knew their names? Bert and Harry. And we meet them in heaven at a party. Hello, what are your names? I'm Bert and he's Harry. You're Bert and Harry. You're the two morons that tried to tell Jesus he was dead. What were you thinking counting the fish? Ah! For their own sake, they're going to remain anonymous. (laughs) Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And as Russ so well said it last night, This resurrection breakfast 
was the first meal he ate with the disciples since a supper before he died. The supper was called the Last Supper because it was the Last Supper. And at this resurrection breakfast, he takes the bread. He breaks it and gives it to them. And this time he doesn't need to say anything. What I love about this whole story is this. God called Peter. God called ordinary Peter. God called Peter who kept getting it wrong. God called two other disciples who have to remain nameless. God called James and John who were nicknamed Sons of Thunder, not because they were good at forecasting the weather, but because they had bad tempers. God called Peter. He spoke to him in a language he could understand. And right at the beginning, he commissions Peter to serve him. Peter leaves everything to follow him. Peter messes it up completely. Jesus knew that Peter was going to mess it up when he first called him. Jesus knew that I was going to mess it up when he first called me. Jesus knew that you were going to mess it up when he first called you. And he did it anyway. And you know what? And I can't understand this. For some reason... He doesn't seem to have any regrets. He doesn't seem to have any regrets. And then when Simon Peter messed it up and he thought there was no way back, when Simon Peter thought that Jesus had died on him, Jesus appears at the shore of Simon Peter's life and he does the same miracle he did when he first met him. And by doing that, he says to Simon, Simon Peter, You thought I was dead, but here I am. I'm alive and I'm here for you. None of it is wasted. I commission you again. I speak to you again. I deliberately say the same thing I did to you again. I I spoke to you again. Simon Peter thought he'd messed it up. So what does Jesus do? By the shore... He comes with breakfast and he breaks the bread and he gives it to Simon Peter. And Simon Peter knows this is broken for me that I might be forgiven and restored. If you're like me, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some of us here If we're really honest, we feel like the two other disciples. Do I have a name in heaven or am I just another one? You know, is it, do I count or am I just making up the numbers? And tonight I believe Jesus wants to call your name like he called Mary's. He knows you by name. He knows who you are. And he wants to speak to you tonight in a way that you will recognize and understand and that will bring you hope and that will bring me hope. It may be
that you've come here and you've tried to witness the best you can, but every time you pull up the nets, there's nothing in them. Jesus wants in a new way to teach you how to go fishing. Jesus is bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than our mess-ups. And he's bigger than our sins. And oh no, he never lets go. He never, ever lets go. We let go of him, but he never, ever, ever lets go of us. He called you. He called me. He is faithful and he will do it. He who began a good work in you and me will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. This is an evening for those who have felt, who have come to Spring Harvest like hope is gone. Is there a way back? Can it be like the first time I met him? Tonight I believe he wants to speak into your heart and assure you he's alive and he knows your name. Thanks, Mike. Amen.